From Heller Consulting, I'm Kaya Swift, and you're listening to Connected Cause. This show is for leaders at nonprofits and education institutions who are curious about technology. We're bringing you guests from technology companies, nonprofits, and higher education institutions to find out what they're learning, what they're excited about, and how you can move your organization forward in today's digital age. My guest today is Katherine Moore. Kathy is the Digital Transformation Practice Lead at Heller Consulting. She brings decades of nonprofit experience and holds multiple change management certifications. Kathy has been leading technology change projects at Heller over the past couple of years, and I wanted to find out what she's been seeing in her projects and her advice for leaders looking to support their staff members. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me today. And I was hoping that you could start us off by just telling me a little bit more about your experience in the nonprofit industry and then your current role here at Heller Consulting. Thanks, Kaya. I uh, have been working in the nonprofit sector for about 20 years uh, before I came to Heller Consulting. Much of that was, was with a large enterprise nonprofit in Canada where project management and change management were part of my job. And I came to Heller about six years ago as a senior consultant uh, and really helped uh, collaborate with others here to really establish our change management practice. Now I am the digital transformation practice lead. So to kick off our change management conversation, I thought we could just kind of level set and talk about what exactly is change management. So how would you define change management? That's a great question. It's too easy to assume uh, that everybody knows what we mean when we say change management. Um, I like to think of change management as a, a process and a tool set that helps organizations and individuals within that organization make a transition from the current state to the future state. So the there are techniques, there are methodologies, and there are tools that help uh as individuals make those transitions and organizations. And then in the nonprofit context, change management has been around a lot longer in the commercial sector, but we've started to see a trend of more nonprofits asking about it, using change management techniques. What are common ways that nonprofits use change management in our experience? Also a great question. Uh, I think that I really uh, started to see a change where more and more nonprofits started embracing change management as they started to see the cost of not using change management. So failed projects, you know, we've all heard those stats out there in the corporate world and the nonprofit world that 50% of projects fail or 67% or 75%, the stats vary. Uh, But when you have a failed technology project, that can be a significant amount of money And when that's donor dollars, that's really uh, unacceptable. So what we've really started to see is uh, organizations embrace the idea of uh, understanding the future state vision and really clearly communicating to the people who are involved in that project, whether it's project team members or stakeholders, what that future state vision looks like and what the critical success factors are to get there. And that really becomes the beginning of your communication plan. Change communication is critical for people to see themselves in, in the change 
change. They have to be aware of what that change is. Um, and without clearly communicating that change, it's really hard and uh, really disruptive for people to start to try and see themselves in that future state. If they can't see themselves in that future state, then they don't participate in the project in the way that you need them to, to make that transition. Uh, so visioning statements, uh, excellent communication plan. And then uh, I think another thing that we're seeing a lot of is uh, ways to engage the stakeholders in the project. The more involved stakeholders are from the beginning of a change, the more likely they are to accept that change. So what are the different ways we can get people involved? That might be having people involved in discovery meetings, in demonstrations of potential solutions as we're moving forward, helping make decisions around what future solutions might look like, what future business processes might look like, uh, just really giving people an opportunity to see what's in it for them and to impact what that future state will look like. And then finally, really, uh, without adoption, we don't have successful change. And it's really difficult for people to adopt a new solution if they haven't had the training both on business processes, the new business processes, as well as the technology. Uh, so building a strong training and enablement plan to make sure that people can make that transition and successfully become comfortable new, using the new technology. I love that it's really actionable for people. Um, I think change management often sounds like just a buzzword, but it's actually the techniques that we write about and talk about and employ in our projects are are very concrete steps that you can take and some clear ways that you can, you know, start making a change in your organization with some clearly laid out steps. Um, one of those I love that you mentioned was the good communication and having a solid communication plan. Uh, I think what we've seen a lot of is change management overlapping with good communication. So I was wondering what are some ways that if you're a nonprofit leader, you're about to take your staff through a technology change, how can you support your staff with communication techniques? Uh, if you are the leader, there's so many things you can do. <laughs> the first thing is really establishing that vision statement um, and understand that elevator pitch. You know, the two to three sentence uh, explanation of where you're trying to get to and then be able to back that up with specific examples of what that will look like. And really every leader on the project from every department should be able to take that vision statement and make it their own, create a version for their department department, their team, and be able to speak to that at every possible opportunity. That's really the beginning or the foundation uh, for me. Then we really like to encourage you to pair your project communications with your change communications. So your change communication plan should really uh, tie in with the big milestones of your project. And as a leader, as a communication leader, it's really important to continually think about what's in it for each of these individuals. So if you think about building awareness, um, that can help people build desire. So you want to create a, a vision for people where they can see themselves in that solution. So by building awareness about the vision, 
about what you're hoping to achieve, the impact that you're hoping to have in the future state. Uh, you can create a sense for people where they want to be involved in that, where they want to help create that future world for the people who are going to benefit from the mission of their organization. Um, once you've really brought people along to the point where they're excited about the solution, then it's really about reinforcing that at every stage of the project. You know, we, um, we talk about performance curves. Building a new technology uh, solution takes a lot of time and a lot of energy, and that has its ups and downs. So as a leader, it's really important to be sensitive to those ups and downs and to be able to step in and reinforce every step of the way, what people need to continue to keep going. Um, that might be listening for resistance, listening for um, burnout, listening for uh, the little story that will help bring that one person along when they hit that burnout stage. So really remembering the details of what's important to different people and uh, always having those at, the, at your fingertips. Burnout you mentioned burnout and I think you can't get on LinkedIn or read any sort of business article right now without it talking about people leaving their jobs, people burned out. And I think we've seen organizations throughout the pandemic leaning on their staffs more and also asking their staffs to learn new technology at an accelerated pace. What are some ways that leaders can support their staffs throughout the project? Uh, we definitely have had a lot of clients deal with this specific situation more so in the last few years. Um, one of the things we've seen that's been really successful, we like to use risk registers with our clients uh, and a steering committee or some executive sponsors. And uh, we actually have started putting risk of burnout on the risk register. And that allows us to have a conversation every month or every two weeks, depending on what phase of the project you're in, with the project sponsors and other stakeholders about the signs that we're seeing of burnout and what we can do to mediate those immediately. Some of the things we've seen clients do to mitigate um, include hiring some temporary uh, workers to do uh, work that in the existing system to free people up to learn. Um, other examples are really breaking the training out over a longer period of time. Before the pandemic, we used to see a lot of, you know, five-day training sessions where people were in a room for five days straight, just learning everything at once. And people find that overwhelming in today's world. And so really breaking that training out into smaller bite-size bite pieces can help people absorb that information, get the practice they need before they learn the next uh, thing that they need to learn. Um, some other examples are making sure that you have regular office hours where anybody can show up and ask questions and really just encouraging everybody to come and listen to the questions um, and help each other. Uh, we've seen clients use uh, collaboration tools to help each other uh, crowdsource the answer. Um, as uh, through the pandemic, I've seen clients send, uh, you know, an Uber Eats or DoorDash gift card uh, so that everybody could be having lunch at the same time on the company. Um, as we get back into in-person, uh, you know, a little bit of gamified learning and some prizes and some favorite snacks. Um, you know, I had one client that did 
you know, name, several of our clients actually have named their new solution, um, had contests around naming that solution, and then uh, produced some uh, materials or some, you know, mugs or mouse pads, uh, pens, that type of thing that you can give away as gifts for um, some of that gamified learning. When you're doing in-person training, people who get the answers uh, can can come up and choose prizes, those types of ideas. For leaders out there who are starting to be more educated about change management, where do you start in terms of finding resources about change management? The Heller website is a great place to start. Um, we've produced a couple of guides in the last uh, year or so, um, change management for the nonprofit that really pulls together a lot of uh, great resources and give you a starting point. Um, a few years ago, we produced a guide for executive sponsors. Really, if you're a leader, you're going to most likely be in a position of being a project sponsor, a change sponsor, uh, perhaps part of a change steering committee for an initiative, um, and really understanding the sort of key terminology and the best practices around change management and change communication are one of the best things you can do to arm yourself to be an ally for the project team and to ensure that the large project will become successful. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of, of steering committees with uh, an executive sponsor or, you know, potentially two sponsors, but then also a matrix of sponsors. So uh, leaders in different departments who are overseeing their staff and really paying close attention to their staff uh, and uh reinforcing the leadership communications down the chain uh, and across the organization. So the more that uh, leaders in the organization understand change management and can speak the language and can listen for that resistance, the better they will able to, the, the better they will be able to support their staff through that change. Um, you know, resistance or uh, reluctance to change, fear around what your job might be like are things that are very common during a large project. People get afraid about whether or not they'll be able to be successful making that change, whether their job will be made redundant. There's a lot of feelings that come up around these types of things. And so the better you are able to listen for those signals, to address those signals uh, confidently and clearly, rather than just sort of sweeping them under the rug, uh, the more supported people will feel. What signals are out there um, for to, to recognize the resistance that might be coming up in a change project? Great question. Um, I can think of a really extreme example once where uh, a department uh, said they weren't coming to any more meetings unless the questions were simplified for them where they could just say yes and no answers. Oh, no. Uh, it's a really extreme example of yeah. resistance. Um, but it, it really does illustrate the point of people don't always understand why they're in these meetings. They don't under, always understand the role that they're supposed to be playing in these meetings. And they don't understand the idea of consensus-based decision-making or how the decisions are going to be made. So they want to understand why they're there, 
they need to hear that their time is valuable and that their input is valuable and that their thoughts are going to contribute to the future solution. Um, so it, it, while it is a really extreme example, there's lots of smaller signals like that. If you start to see that a certain person isn't contributing in meetings, if you start to see that certain departments are deprioritizing project meetings or not, you know, people aren't showing up at all. Um, if uh, another example is, you know, the obvious example is people who are argumentative or always finding the, the reason that something can't happen. That one's easy to spot. Um, and usually just having a, you know, an open upfront conversation with that person can help move past that. Um, other examples are, uh, people who attend training but then don't actually do the homework, uh, don't uh, do any of the examples, don't prepare for meetings. Those are all great examples. And I think that happens, you know, that can happen without people re recognizing that that's necessarily resistance. Um, mm -hmm. Like a lot of that sounded, there's some active resistance, right, of being yeah. – um, argumentative in meetings or having reasons why it's just not going to work out. But there's also that passive resistance of just slowly deprioritizing the project, not doing the homework, not being excited about uh, the change that's coming. And those are great, great takeaways. Actually, you bring up a really good point. Sometimes active resistance, while it feels the most difficult in the moment and the most challenging, actually is easier to spot and easier to manage than that passive mm -hmm. resistance. And so it is really important to be uh, aware of both and to be looking for signals for both of those things. Absolutely. Uh, one of the training sessions that I attended once or the certifications that I pursued is around change intelligence. And the, uh, the woman who ran that course talked about how resistance is fertile, not futile. <laughs> Never <laughs> forgotten that. Resistance helps us identify the problem and then grow past the problem. Mm -hmm. Instead of just letting it sit there and fester and exactly. destroy the project. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kathy, to wrap up today's conversation, I wanted to know just what is on your mind with change management these days. What are you thinking about right now when it comes to change management? It's uh, an interesting question. It seems that uh, in the recent months, I've been hearing a lot more about failed projects and uh, getting a lot more questions about how do you pick up a project where things haven't gone well and really turn things around. And it can be really easy to think that that just means choosing a different technology or choosing a different group of people to participate in the project. Um, but really, there is, uh, there's a lot more to it than just changing one element of things the the human part of change is the most critical part and if we uh, don't pay close attention to that part we're not going to be successful and so these these projects that have been coming to us or that we've been hearing about or reading about um have really reinforced that point and have reminded me that uh change communication 
the principles are the same when you're rescuing or restarting a failed project, uh, but it's even more important to be hyper aware of the impact that that previous failed project has had on people and uh, that you may need to spend more time engaging with those stakeholders. I've definitely learned not to be tempted to replace the stakeholders with a different group um, because the same problem will resurface itself. Um, People you know everybody in the organization is impacted by a large technology change and switching out the project members just because of resistance or because something didn't work is not going to solve the problem. Dealing with the people issues is what's going to solve the problem. I think that takeaway is is perfect for organizations who are looking to move forward in this new phase of I don't think we're quite there to say post-pandemic yet, but just this new phase of working um, yet again of people coming back into the office environment and we're trying to deal with the technology that we have had over the past two years at a um, at a quick start pace. And so I love that takeaway of having the project members not be the problem, but really tackling any of the people issues that may have come up over the last couple of years. Thank you so much for listening to today's conversation. If you're looking for more resources on nonprofit tech, be sure to check out the Heller website at teamheller.com. That's T-E-A-M-H-E-L-L-E-R.com.